Returning to the Lord, we've talked about a few different topics. You know, we've heard from Hosea, and we've heard from uh, Zechariah, right? And, and so when the prophets talk about returning to the Lord, when you preach from the prophets, there's an intensity there that you just can't help, you know? So I know last week was pretty intense from Zechariah and, and uh, Hosea the week before, but, but when you preach out of the prophets, they are so intense. I mean, they're, they're like screaming. You know, that's little fire and brimstone going on with the prophets. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just the, the sense of their message and their heart and what's happening in God's people and, and what they're called to do. And so it's hard to preach from the prophets and not get intense. You know, I challenge you to try it sometime. And so Hosea talked about, you know, Hosea talked about coming clean with God, that returning to the Lord means that we just come clean with God. We just get right with him, right? We just come back to God and say, God, I'm, you know, I need you. I, I've messed up. And we saw that, you know, in that, in that message about the fact that um, returning to the Lord is about giving thanks to the lepers and how the one came back and just threw himself at Jesus' feet and he realized that he needed, he needed Jesus more than he even needed healing, what he thought he needed was healing, but what he really needed was Jesus. And there's a big difference between physical healing and Jesus. And what he realized was he needed Jesus, the other nine didn't. And so repentance or returning to the Lord is about giving God thanks, you know, for being so good to us. And through Zechariah, we found out that returning to the Lord means repentance, that, that we repent, that we truly turn away from what we're doing and how we think and all the different areas of our life that we find ourselves wandering in the wrong direction and we come back to doing things God's way. We repent. We, we come back, we change our mind and we change our heart and we change our behavior. That's true repentance, right? And so returning to the Lord involves those things. Today, I want to share with you that returning to the Lord is personal. It's a very personal thing. Very personal, right? We all get that. It is personal. And, and maybe you've talked to people or tried to talk to people about God, you know, and, 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 and they'll use that on you. Well, my faith is personal. In other words, I don't want to, you know, stay out of my business, <laughs> Right. right, that's what they're saying is stay out of my business, right? I'm working with a guy right now, uh, doesn't live here, but um, he's getting married to my niece. And um, he is, um, <laughs> he's a great guy, nice guy, very smart, business-minded guy from Buffalo. And uh, he, um, he, he, that's what he said to me. He goes, you know, my faith, my, my uh, relationship with the Lord is really personal. And so we're talking, and the next question, you know, I asked him, I said, so do you, do you have a good Bible? Do you have a Bible? Because he's Catholic. He grew up Catholic, and nothing wrong with that, but most Catholics don't read the Word. And I'm wondering, how do you have a relationship with God? You don't, you don't, even, have, you don't even know what the Word says. I mean, it, it's got to be involved in the Word. And without the Word of God, the, you know, Trying to find God is, is like searching for a needle in a haystack in some ways because the word of God that is breathed of God, that is Jesus, that's become life, is the, the, the way God wants us to, to know him and to think about him and how he interacts with people. And there's no way in the world you can know God without knowing God's word. And so people have this idea that, you know, my relationship with God is personal, but they don't really know what that even means, you know, that it's personal. 
You know, they just think it's, you know, I, I know that there's a God. And, uh, you know, he's out there, and sometimes I talk to him, and it's between me and God. Stay out of my business, you know. It's, it's personal. And, and it is personal. It is personal. But it's never designed to stay personal. It's always been designed to be a body, right? The body of Christ. Each of us having our own personal relationship with Jesus. But we're doing it together. And without together, it's not, it's not what God has ordered for us, right? And so, yeah, it is personal. And, and it's true that it involves my mind and my heart and my behavior and my will and all those things that I feel and all those things that I think and all those things that decisions that I make. It is very personal between me and God. I'm going to stand before him and so are you and no one else can stand there for you, right? So in some ways, it is very personal between you and God. You're going to give an account. I'm going to give an account, right? But it, is, it involves the body of Christ. It's personal together. Together, it's a personal thing. And so I'm going to share with you that uh, no one can make you seek the Lord, right? And if anyone does or if anyone conforms you to do that, it's no longer a personal relationship. It now is a religion. And there's a difference between religion and a relationship, right? And what we're striving for here at this church is a personal relationship, not a religion. We're not preaching about being part of some system. We're not preaching about thinking the way we want you to think. What we want you to do is dig into God's word and know him personally yourself because only in a personal relationship with him will you know what he wants you to do. Nobody can do that for you. It's personal in that way. So in Deuteronomy chapter 4, if you would go there, Deuteronomy chapter 4, there's this long passage, you know, Moses is, is uh, given the law, and God has spoken through Moses, and Deuteronomy is about the second giving of the law, right, about God reiterating, or Moses anyway, what God had said to him. And we're in chapter 4, and he's talking about, you know, idolatry and how idolatry in the world is a sickness. It's like this sin sickness that creeps in to the life of God's people and, and, and it ruins them. It slowly but surely pulls people away, right? It just weaves its way in and it pulls God's people apart and it will attack you as well. So in, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4, beginning in verse uh, 15, he talks about not worshiping, right? Not worshiping anything that is like an object or anything that is a you know, an animal or a fish or, or, a, or a man, anything that's made in the image of anything else, do not, he says, do not worship these things. And he says in verse 19 there, he says, you know, when you look up and you see the stars and the moon and the sun, don't worship those things. They're all created things. Do not, do not worship those things. And he comes down to uh, verse 20 there, and it says in, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, I'm going to read a section. We're going to get to this one verse that I want to point out. But in verse 20, he says, But as for you, the Lord took you, and he brought you out of the iron-melting furnace, out of Egypt, to be God's people of his inheritance as you now are. You know, God is saying to his people, you know, I love you. I put my stamp on you. You're mine. All of mine is yours. Your inheritance is in me. He says, but, but only in me will you, can you claim that inheritance, right? And God says, I rescued you. I brought you up out of Egypt. And I brought you to be my children, my family. You're mine. 
mean, that's an amazing thought, you know, just, and this is years, a long time ago, and God is saying to a group of people that you are mine, and, and that's what he says to God's people today, right, the church. He's saying to you and me this morning, you are mine, I love you, I, I got your back, nothing could ever hurt you, right, you are completely, eternally safe in me, stay right here. Be careful that you're not pulled away, that you're not enticed away. Be careful that things don't creep in and slowly pull you in a different direction. Be smart. Stay in the Word. Stay in the Spirit of God, right? Live in Him. Let Him live in you. Stay connected to God's people. That's the only safe place on the planet for you to be is in the presence of God. Stay there. That's what He's saying to us. But look what he says, verse 21. The Lord was angry, Moses says, with me. <laughs> Moses gets this, this is very personal. Moses says, the Lord was angry with me because of you, Israel. He solemnly swore that I would not cross the Jordan or enter the good land that the Lord, the, our God, is giving you as an inheritance. He said, Moses is saying to them, I will die in this land. I will not cross the Jordan. I'm not going into the promised land. But you are about to cross over and take possession of the good land. Be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. Boy, that's so important, isn't it? I mean, got Moses reminding them, look, I'm not going with you. You're going to be on your own. God's going to lead you. He's going to raise up other leaders. But don't forget the covenant. Don't forget the relationship that God wants to have with you. Don't walk away from it. Don't let anything get in the way of it. Don't let other things creep it out. You know, get in there and, and begin to, to, to move it or push it or overcome it. He says, don't forget that covenant that I had, that the Lord your God has made with you. Do not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden for the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. You don't hear that preached much, right? That God is a consuming fire for the good and for the bad, right? If we obey him, he's a consuming fire in a good way, right? If we honor him and live for him and we, we surrender to him, he is a consuming fire burning in us and we can't help but share him with people. If we try to go against the Lord, he is a consuming fire as well and you will be destroyed. You know, God is a, he's a jealous God. He calls his people that he created in his image to be his children, right? Created in his image. And to not have false gods, not to put anything else in front of him. Verse 25, after you have children and grandchildren, many of you have that, and have lived in the land a long time, he says, if you then become, here's the warning, corrupt and make any kind of idol, Notice that it's this like this, this cycle again, you know, that, that God's people love God and they worship God and they do great things. And here we are today, you know, worshiping the Lord and we're feeling good about it. And it's like, God, I love you. Every breath I take is my praise back to you, God. And this is amazing. And then comes Monday, right? And we're out in the world, right? And, and, and that faith that we proclaim right now is going to be tested. You know, do we really believe 
what we're singing about right now. You know, are we going to carry that through the whole week? Are we going to truly surrender to him all week long? But look, this is cycle, and that's what's happening with them. After a long time has passed, if you then, he says, become corrupt and make any kind of idol, doing evil in the eyes of the Lord your God, and arousing his anger, I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you this day, that you will quickly perish from the land that you are crossing the Georgian, Jordan to possess. You will not live there long, but will certainly be destroyed if you, if you, if you wander. If you run away from God, if you move away from him, if you make false idols in place of him, if you grab onto things that don't matter, the Lord will scatter you, verse 27, among the peoples, and only a few of you will survive among the nations to which the Lord will drive you. Verse 28, there you will worship gods of wood and stone made by human hands, which cannot see or hear or eat or smell. And that's the warning. That's the big warning. Be careful that you do not wander, right? That you don't wander from the Lord. Look what he says in verse 29. Here's our verse. Check it out. It'll be on the screen. But if from there, he says, but if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. See, that's pretty personal. Because he's saying to these people, like, if you worship idols, if you let those things come in again, God is going to allow the surrounding nations to come in and pounce on you and lead you off into captivity. And God says, but if there, while you're in captivity, if while you're in the midst of this scatteredness, this darkness, this evil world surrounding you, if in the midst of that scenario, you will seek God, you, right, you, personally, you, if from there you seek the Lord your God, which is exactly what we do, right? Here we are in the midst of a, of a world that has gone mad, that is going so far away from God, trying to, to remove God and the things of God and the truth of God and the standards of God and the morals of God completely out of everything that we are as a nation and as a world, the devil is having his way. And God says, if you, in the midst of all that, if you, look what he says, if you will seek the Lord your God, this is as true for you and me today as it was for them. If you will seek the Lord your God while in enemy territory, if you will seek the Lord your God from there, from, from where you are, wherever you are, whatever job you may have today, wherever you live in this community, whatever's going around your little world, if you, in the midst of that place, will seek the Lord your God, you will find him. If you seek him, he says, with all your heart and with all your soul. See, there's a big if, right? That big if. It's always an if, right? Here's God. Seek me, God will do great things to you, for you. But if, you must, it's something we are called to do. We have to make a conscious decision or a choice to say, God, I want you. I want to seek you, God. I'm not going to let the things of this world crowd you out of my life or my family. I'm not going to allow the things of this world to pull me away in any way. And when I realize that's happening in my life, I'm going to cut it off right now, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut it from my life. I'm going to pull it away and dissect it like a surgeon does a sickness. 
Right? It's got to go. It's got to go. He says, if you seek him with all your heart and all your soul, right? In a wandering land that we live, right? Surrounded by evil and surrounded by the enemy in this planet that you and I live, returning begins in you. Returning to the Lord begins in you. It begins in your heart and in your mind and in your behavior. It begins in what you are doing with your life. And no one else can do that for you. It's that personal. The Word of God wants to dwell in you richly. The Spirit of God wants to move in you in dark places of your life and penetrate your very soul and and remove the stuff that doesn't belong there. God wants to grow in us, right? He's alive in us, and he wants to continue to grow in you, weaving his way into everything about you. It's that personal for all of us. There's a lot of things in this world that are not very pleasant, right? There's a lot of disease. There's a lot of sickness. There's a lot of really bad things happening on our planet, all as a result of sin, all of them. Every birth defect is a result of sin. It's not God's will. It's a result of sin. Sin has worked its way into our planet. We have allowed it in, and now it's corrupting everything about our existence. One of the worst things that we deal with on this planet is cancer. One of the doctors in the Cancer Research Institute described cancer as in this way. He said, cancer is an evil genius. It's an evil genius. Right, the sickness disease of cancer. It comes in many forms and attacks all kinds of organs and cells within our body. It spreads like a spider web as it works its way through the human body, right? Weaving itself into the very fabric of every living cell and the flesh bringing death to the cells and eventually to the human, to the person. And doctors, we know doctors work really hard and the medical field works really hard at at figuring out ways to kill cancer, to remove it or to uh, kill it with radiation treatments or other forms of treatment. And they're successful in some ways, not successful in other ways. And we all know how evil and how sick cancer makes people. We've all, we have all been affected in some way. Somebody in our family, somebody we know has been affected by cancer. It's a battle. It's a personal battle. People who have cancer admit that it's a personal battle that they have to fight. But we all know that there's no way they could do it alone, right? It's a personal battle, but there's no way in the world that anyone with cancer is going to be able to fight it alone, right? You know what I'm saying? And so this morning, because, because it's such, it has such an impact on our world, and it's so deadly, and it, and it works its way into our lives or into the life of a person who has it in such a way, I, I want us this morning to just take a minute, and I want us to pray for, for anyone in this room that is being touched by cancer today. So I'm going to ask you, you're, you're sitting there, and you're thinking, okay, that, that might, maybe that's you. Maybe this morning you yourself personally are dealing with cancer or you're recovering from some kind of cancer. I don't know. But I'm going to ask you if you would to, we're going to pray for you. So I'm going to ask you if you would just put your hand up. If you are, I know this is personal, 
but this is also this is also a together thing and you can't fight this alone I know a lot of people who have sicknesses like this they don't want other people to know they want to just deal with it on their own but you and I all know that that's not a good way to go about it you need your your family and, and I want to pray with you. So if, if you're dealing with cancer, you, you have dealt with cancer, I want, would you raise your hand right now? Just put it up there. Put it up there. Everyone look around. I, want, I just want you to see people near you because we're going to pray for each other. Okay, so if you saw a hand go up, if you saw a hand go up, uh, go over near those people. We're going to pray together. So just go ahead and move. If you didn't put your hand up, move to where somebody did put their hand up and just get with them. Okay, just for a few minutes, we're going to pray about this. Okay, because this is, doesn't have to be personal. Doesn't, you don't have to be alone here. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Father, we love you so much, God, and we thank you so much for loving us. God, I pray that you would move in our lives and in our hearts. God, I pray that you would move in this place right now through your people, that the power of your Holy Spirit, God, would be working and moving in lives right now, God, as we come together to pray for each other, to lift up those that we're touching right now. God, that your spirit would work that healing would come, that comfort would come, that support would come. God, that you would send your people and your spirit to bring healing and strength, and comfort, peace, and victory, God, over the sickness that is working its way into the lives of people. God, we pray that your spirit and your son, God, would have his way, that healing today would find its way to those we love. God, we love you so much. We pray that you would help these people know that they're not alone. God, help us to rely on each other and to lean on one another. We love you so much. We pray all these things in the power and the blood of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Thank you very much for doing that. Thank you for, for letting us pray with you and for you. And please don't let it stop there. All right? Okay. If you're battling this or you know people who are or somebody close to you that is, you know how important it is that they have support, that they have people around them. You know? Because cancer is, is, is so much, it's like a physical version of sin. It's so much, not that cancer is sin, I'm not saying you did anything wrong, I'm just saying the way that cancer works in the human body is the same way that sin and the evil one works on our soul. All right? He just weaves his way slowly into us, slowly into our lifestyle, slowly into our thinking, slowly into the way we feel and what we do and what we allow in our life and what we allow to be a part of our homes. You know, what we allow our kids to do. We, we allow that sickness to weave its way in. We like open the doors and the windows to it. And it's a spiritual sickness, sin is, that is rapidly spreading in this world and among God's people. It's a sickness, sin I'm talking about. Sin, I'm not talking about cancer. Okay? I'm talking about sin. This is a spiritual sickness. In Israel, what happened with Israel was they had this sickness in them 
And when God would remove it from them, it wouldn't take long and they'd run right back to it. You know, they'd come right back and that was their issue. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, look what the scripture says. I want to share this with you. Look what it says. It says, but understand this. And notice in these verses how sin grows and it weaves its way and it slowly begins to take over more and more and more of a person. But understand this, uh, Timothy says, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self and lovers of money, proud and arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, un appeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having an appearance of godliness but denying its power. He says, avoid such people, Timothy. Avoid such people. In this letter, Paul's writing to Timothy, he's saying, look how this stuff just grows and a little bit works its way in. And pretty soon it, it corrupts all of the batch. The whole, the whole person becomes corrupt. Because a little of it has been allowed in. And it wreaks havoc. There's this advancing sickness, not just in the world, but in us, in people, that wants to work its way into you. And disrupt all that you are and all that God wants you to be. Sin of various kinds working its way into our life. Its symptoms can always be seen from the outside, right? But it weaves itself into the very fabric of the church and the very fabric of us as individuals. It's called sin. It's selfishness. It's deceitfulness, right? It's, it's envy. It's, it's hate. It's idolatry. It's, it's sin. It's, and sin is a, is, the, is a genius. It knows how to, it knows how to maneuver in us, Right? Sin is so, so clever and so deceitful and so good at what it does. God is in the business of freeing his people from sin, right? Only God, only the power and the blood of Jesus can free anyone of this sickness called sin. Amen? Only Jesus, only the blood of Christ can do that. Only Jesus, and that's what he's in the business of doing. Jesus bringing us salvation. Jesus bringing us, we just sang about it, freedom. And Jesus bringing grace, the power of the blood of Christ that has the power to cleanse and to free and to heal and to bring salvation. But so often, like the Israelites, we run back to the thing that we've been freed from. Right? We, we so easily run right back to the thing that God freed us from. Right? We just are pulled. Right? We're pulled in that direction. No one with any kind of sickness, once freed from that sickness, would ever want to run back to that. But for some reason, when it's about sin, we, we are, we're lured back to it. Right? Sin entices us. It like calls us back. It like entices us with its charm and its pleasure. And, and we so easily take the bait, right? That's, that's the human problem that we have, that we know what God wants and we want God and we want everything he has for us, but we're so human, we're so fleshly and we're so weak. And the word calls us to return to the Lord, right? To come back to God, to keep coming back to God, to keep coming back to God. When we find ourselves wandering away, 
to come back. Because it is personal, right? The attack on you is personal. And, the, and the, the relationship that God wants to have with you and calling you back is personal as well. It's about you. It's about you and it's about you and God. And, and nothing else can get in the way of that. It's really you and God, toe to toe, you know? And what, what an awesome thing that is because no, I can't blame anybody for this. I'm on my own, right? And God has said, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk with you. I'm going to move in you. I'm going to use you as long as you want me to be in you. And, and one day you're going to stand before me. And nobody else can get in the way. My parents can't do it for me. The preacher can't. The deacons can't. The elders can't. Right? Nobody can. Not even the trustee. He can't. Right? <laughs> nobody can stand there for me. <laughs> nobody. It's me and God, right? It's just you and God. James wrote, last passage I want to share with you, James wrote in, in James chapter 4, and he talks about the, this personal part of this and why, why your relationship and, and coming back to God is so personal. He says this in, in James chapter 4, verse uh, 7. Look what he says. Submit yourselves then to God. And notice these words. Submit yourselves to God. We're going to dig into this for a minute. Resist the devil. right? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Okay, this is a, there's a, notice the, the personal responsibility that he is, God is calling us to. I, somebody else isn't going to resist the devil for me. Someone isn't going to submit themselves to God for me. I, me, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, he says, you double-minded. Grieve and mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. He will lift you up. Pollution is a, is a, is a, is a nasty, nasty uh, part of our world, you know? Pollution. And I, and I did a little digging as to the, um, what the worst cities in the, in the country are. The most polluted cities in the United States. You'd never guess what they are. Well, maybe you would. So there's this top 25 list of polluted cities in the United States, right? And on the bottom of the list, the last few are like Pennsylvania, New York, surprisingly. In the middle of the list are cities like uh, Louisville and Cincinnati and Detroit and Indianapolis, those ones in the middle of the country. You know, that's kind of weird. But you know what the top seven most polluted cities in the, in the country are? Every one of them are in California. The top seven cities are all in California. And, and the pollution, it's kind of... It kind of makes sense, actually. Uh, it's, we're, it's talking, we're talking about like air pollution, like particles of dirt and dust from the city, you know, during a drought when it's like, when it's like sucked up into the atmosphere, into the ozone layer, and you breathe that. People breathe that. I used to work in Denver, Colorado. We lived in Denver, and I would, we lived in Lakewood, and I had to go work in Denver, in the city. I delivered Pepsi, downtown Denver, and I, we would look out from our house in Lakewood, and there was like, there's the city. You could see it as plain as day because there's no trees in, in the flat part of Colorado, but you could see like this cloud, like the smog over the city. This is what they're talking about, this, this smog made up of like dirt and dust particles that are in the air that you go into the city and you breathe that, creating all kinds of sickness and disease, lung cancer. You know, we, would, don't, we don't even think about this stuff, but when we're breathing that, it's going like into our system and it's killing people, right? It's, it's this pollution that is killing people. 
physically killing people. But that's what sin is. It's this pollution. It's the polluting of our souls. Right? The devil is throwing particles of sin and sickness into our lives, and we're breathing it in, we're taking it in through all of our senses, and we're loving every minute of it. And it's polluting us. And that's the plan and the process of the devil, to slowly pollute God's people, or anyone who claims to be a follower of Christ. And in this passage, James goes to town, man. He really works hard at showing us how personal this is. Talk about emphasis. Look at these verses. If you've got your Bible open, verses 7 to 10, or if it's still on the screen, check this out. Look at this. Four verses, in, in four verses, he says the words you or yourself 11 times. That's emphasis. That's you. That's you or you. Right? Nobody else, that's you. Look what he says. Eleven times he says you or yourself. Right? He's pointing to us, saying you take responsibility for what you're doing with your life. Look what he says. The action is this. The action that you and I are called to in these four little verses are these. Submit. You submit. Resist. You resist. Wash. You wash. Purify. You purify. Grieve, you grieve, you mourn, you wail, you change, you humble, you, me, humble, submit yourself to the Lord. We're called to, to come back to God. We're called to come back to Him and in every possible way in, within us to come to Him. That's the action. The who or the what is this? Yourself, right? He says, yourself. He says, your hands, your heart, your mind, your attitude. And he says, change, change your mourning, right? Look what he says there. He says, uh, verse 9, grieve, mourn, and well. Change your laughter to mourning and your, your, your joy to gloom. There's this godly sorrow that people have now. This godly sorrow that, that, that we have on this earth, that we're sorry for things that we do. But there is an eternal misery coming for those who don't change, who don't come back to God, who don't return to the Lord, right? Who don't wash their, themselves and resist and do the things that James is calling us to be patient and to be aware of and to have wisdom in, right? And he, and he gives us the why. Here's why we're to do these things. And it's not fun. This isn't, these aren't beautiful, wonderful words. He says there's two reasons why we're to do these things. And that's because, one, you're a sinner. And two, you're double-minded. Right? James ain't like, he ain't like, you know, playing games here. I mean, he's like saying, look, you come back to God and you do everything you have to to do it. Pay attention to what you're putting into your life. Pay attention to what you're putting into your mind. All those things are working in your body like a cancer, trying to pull you away from the one who died for you. Pay attention. We're sinners. Don't forget that. And we're saved by only the grace of God. That's it. Not in and of ourselves in any way. We are freed because of Jesus, but we must remain there in him. He says you're double-minded. Some translations say doubting souls. All right, look what he says. Um, it says uh, right here, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you doubting souls. Right? Double-minded, unstable in all your ways. And, and the key to this whole thing 
is in verse 8. See, the devil wants to weave his disease of sin into your life. And verse 8 is the key that James shares. He says, come near to God and God will come near to you. That's it. Again, it's, it's based on this condition that we want God. God hasn't gone anywhere. He's right there for all of us. Do you want him? Come near to God, and God will be there for you. If you don't want God, then you're going to keep your distance. But you have to make that decision. I want to come near to God. I want to return to God. I want to come near to him. Again, we're the ones that are running. We're the ones that are being lured away. God is right there waiting for us to come back to him, to return to him. Isaiah wrote in Isaiah chapter 55, and he said this, Seek you the Lord while, what? while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. You will not, you will not always, we will not always have this opportunity, right? You're not always going to have the opportunity to return to the Lord. One day your time will be over. One day life will be over. It'll end. Jesus is going to come back one day and everyone's going to be just shocked that this is the day. It's over. No more life on planet earth as we know it right? Your day may end without you knowing it, without you planning on it, right? That's how most people go. They don't realize, and today is the day, and we don't have all day. We don't have all year to get right with him. See, in the battles of life, I want to challenge you not to run to the temporary fixes in this world, right? Because that's what we do. We, we're like Israel. We want to return to the familiar. We want to return to the things we're most comfortable with, right? The things that make us feel good, right? We want to run back to all those things. And the challenge for us is don't run to those things, run to the Lord. Return to the one who sent his son and died on a cross for you, right? Our passage is all about, it's all about repenting, turning from sin, that, that, that our sin will be wiped away. Why? So that times of refreshing may come from the Lord.